0: Welcome to the Palm Harvest Podcast. We are a community in Costa Mesa, California. To know more about us, visit our website, palmharvest.com. To follow along with today's message, download the Palm Harvest app and click on Sermon Notes. Thank you for listening. Well, hello everyone and welcome to the Palm Harvest Broadcast. I'm Pastor Mike, say hello, Pastor Mike. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in today. Listen, today we're gonna talk about the subject of miracles, miracles. So let's take a quick poll, okay? Wherever you're at, I'd love for you to participate. So with a show of hands, how many of you believe that God still does miracles? Anybody? I think probably most of us believe that. You know, the birth of a baby. Would any of you consider that to be a miracle? Or how about a sunrise or a sunset? Would you consider that to be a miracle? Or how about when a loved one maybe goes into surgery and receives some kind of medical treatment? I mean, does God use doctors and medical staff to facilitate healing miracles? Well, friends, today I wanna invite you to believe that God still does miracles. And so the big idea of our conversation today is this. If you're taking notes in your Palm Harvest app, write this down, and that is, miracles are often experienced in community. Miracles are often experienced in community. You know, for the last several weeks now, we have been looking at a story in the Bible that really tells us about kind of a, an experience uh, in the life of a guy by the name of Naaman. Now, Naaman, you'll remember, was a military commander. He served the, the uh, sort of the nation of, of Aram, or also known as the Kingdom of Syria. And as you would imagine, Naaman as a military commander, he had a lot of things going for him. The Bible tells us in 2 Kings chapter 5 that he had a great job and with it, he had social status and clearly he had access to the king's court and thus to the king's ear. You know, the Bible tells us that not only did that offer him some perks, but maybe even better than that, he was a guy who had a wife and friends who loved him. And like most people, like you and like me, Naaman also had his challenges, didn't he? You know, one of the challenges that we've been looking at that the Bible tells us that Naaman faced in his life, one of the real obstacles that he had to deal with every single day was what? Do you remember what that was? Naaman suffered from a skin disease. Naaman was afflicted with leprosy. Now, if you read Naaman's story, which we're going to read a part of in 2 Kings chapter 5, one of the things that we are early introduced and early told that in his household, that among his staff lived was this Israeli slave girl. And one day, while serving in the household, perhaps alongside Naaman's wife, this young slave girl verbalizes this suggestion. She says, I wish my master would visit the prophet in Samaria and he would heal him of his leprosy. Remember that? She says, I wish my master, meaning Naaman, would would go visit the prophet in Samaria and he would heal him of his leprosy. Now, Naaman, as we've talked about already, was a man of action. And so not surprisingly, a guy who has access to the king's court, a guy who has access to the king's ear, immediately does what you probably would have done had you been in his military army boots. He went to seek King Ben-Hadad's assistance. He solicits the king's help. Together, we're told, they devise this, this game plan. Then Naaman loads up a caravan, kind of, this gets his gathers together, this entourage, and he, he carries with him, we're told, 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. And then Naaman sets his GPS coordinates on the sort of the, the nation of Israel or the, the Samaria, which was the capital of Israel, and Na, Naaman we're told, is on a hunt for what? He's on a hunt for a miracle. Naaman is in search of a healing miracle. You know the story. You know, I wonder how many of you tuning in today know what it feels like to be on the hunt for a miracle. I suspect that many of you do. Well, today, as you put yourself back into Naaman's boots, I want you, and I'm I really want to encourage you to focus on the truth. The miracles are often experienced in community. Because today we're gonna to, the, the portion of Naaman's story that we're gonna focus on is really gonna emphasize this truth. Now, before we dive into the verses, let me tell you this. Already in this dialogue, in name and story that I have just shared with you, we can identify the first three stages of a miracle. Can you call them out? Can you articulate them? Let me help you out. Stage number one, write this down. If you have a Palm Harvest app, write this down. And that is the first stage of a miracle involves having a need, having a need. Before a miracle can ever happen, you must first have a need. So need is stage one of a miracle. So what was Naaman's need? Well, Naaman had leprosy, right? And Naaman wanted to be healed from, delivered from, freed from his leprosy. So personalize this, okay? What needs exist in your world? You know, what challenges would you love for God to to free you from or to remedy from your life? Does anything come to mind? You know, some of you wanna get pregnant. Would you consider that to be a need? You know, some of you might be facing a health challenge. Would you consider that to be a need? Maybe some of you, as a result of this COVID-19 pandemic that we've been finding ourselves in, maybe some of you are out of work and now you could use just a little bit of maybe a financial undergirding in your life. Could we consider that to be a need? Is that something that you would love for God to help you in tackling? You know, friends, whenever you and I can identify a need in your, our life, I propose that it's that need that immediately places us into miracle territory because the first stage of a miracle is need. Stage number two. The second stage of a miracle that I think we can see illustrated here in name and story is what I'm calling desire. Desire. The Bible tells us that Naaman has the desire to be healed from his leprosy. Well, how do we know that? Well, we know that sort of by the way he, he responds, right, to this new information that he receives from his Israeli slave girl. What does he do? Well, if you look at 2 Kings chapter five, uh, verse five, I think, or verse four, let me grab it here. Second Kings chapter five, verse four, we're told that Naaman immediately goes to the king, has a conversation with the king and shares with the king this new information that this girl gives him. And basically what Naaman is doing here is he is seeking the king's permission to go to Israel and seek out the help of the prophet Elisha. And what I'm proposing here is that Naaman's desire for a healing is showcased in his activity. Desire is a key ingredient in, I believe, a miracle. Now, don't miss this. When you read Naaman's story, who else illustrated a desire for Naaman to be healed? Well, certainly we can see that in his Israeli slave girl, can we not? His servant girl. We can see a desire, I suspect, in his wife who passed along this information from this girl to her husband. And I even think we can see the king of Syria, the king of Aram, King Ben-Hadad, also illustrating this desire for his top military commander to be healed, illustrated by not only his willingness to maybe write a letter of endorsement, but to perhaps even give to Naaman the gifts of gold, silver, and, 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 and 10 sets of clothing, which reinforces for me, and it should for you, how miracles are often experienced in community. Now think about this. Have you ever considered, have you ever considered that your desire for healing in another person's life might actually be the catalyst that God uses to put into motion a miracle. You ever thought about that? I mean, when you think about the loved ones in your life, who do you think could benefit from having God show up in their life? Miracles are often showcased in community. So here's what, we're gonna do right now. I just want you to pause right now. Whatever you're doing, put your books down. If you're you know, in your car, driving, listening to this, uh, certainly keep your eyes open. But I want you to, just right now, I want you to lift up what I call an arrow prayer, okay? A quick arrow prayer to God. I want you to think of someone who, who you love and maybe more importantly, who you would love for God to, to show up in your life. You have the desire for God to do a miracle in their, their their life. It could be a family member. It could be a child or a, a grandchild. It could be a spouse or an ex-spouse who you're thinking of right now. It could be a business partner or maybe even a close friend. Right now, I want you to think of one person who you desire for God to touch. Okay, you got that person in your mind? Now pray this prayer. Uh, In your heart, if you wanna pray it out loud, you can do that too, but it's really simple. You just say, Heavenly Father, right now, I ask that you would touch, and you put their name in there. Heavenly Father, I ask right now that you would be active in, whose life? Desire. God, I have the desire like the servant girl, like Naaman's wife, and like King Ben-Hadad, I have the desire for you to do something in whose life. With that. Good. Stage number three. The third stage of a miracle that I think that we can see here showcased in Naaman's story is what I've already, already sort of already mentioned it, and it's the word action. Action. Naaman gains this new intel. He immediately goes to his king, uh, requesting the king's help. The king himself is obviously a man of action and immediately writes this letter of endorsement and sponsors Naaman with these gifts. Naaman organizes his caravan. He launches out on this road trip toward toward Israel. And eventually, we're told, Naaman finds himself on the doorstep at the prophet Elisha's house and he's waiting, which believe it or not, is an action for God to show up. And here in Naaman's activity, what I see, when I wanna to offer to you is how faith and action are intimately related. Need, desire, Action. Those are the first three stages in a miracle. Now, open your Bible if you haven't already. Turn to 2 Kings chapter 5. I want you to skip down to we're going to start reading at verse 9. And as we read verse 9, and I'm going to read through verse 14, we're going to see um, sort of the last two stages of, of, of a miracle and most. Importantly, I think the most important stage in a miracle, just so I'm giving a spoiler alert, is found in verse 14, but we'll get there, okay? So 1st let we'll look at verse nine, and then let's read up. This is what we read, picture the scene in your mind. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River, then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana, and the Farpar better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned, and went away in rage. But his officers, verse 13, tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply, go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him and his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. One reverse, verse, verse 15. The Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him, and Naaman said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel, so please accept a gift from your servant. We'll talk about that in future weeks. Now write this down. Stage number four in your Palm Harvest app notes. The fourth stage of a miracle is what I am calling receptivity. Receptivity. Church, where do we see receptivity played out in Naaman's story? You know, we know he was first receptive to the Israeli slave girl's suggestion, was he not, to seek out the prophet Elisha's help? He illustrated its receptivity really a second time when he listened to his wife's input, right, to go to the king. And I love here in this portion of scripture that we, we read how he listened to the input. He illustrated a receptivity to his officers' ploy, so to speak. His officers chattering, so to speak, to heed the prophet Elisha's advice to go dip himself seven times in the Jordan River. And we talked a little bit about this last week in the sense of how did Naaman first respond to Elisha's message? Remember? You know, when the prophet Elisha didn't come out of his house, instead sent out a messenger to tell Naaman to go dip himself seven times in the Jordan River, what does the Bible say how how Naaman responded? He he, he gets angry, does he not? Naaman, uh, in my vernacular, blows a gasket. Now why does Naaman initially respond the way that he did? I propose it's because Elisha didn't perform the miracle in the manner that Naaman expected him to, right? Look again at verse 11. Naaman became angry and he stalked away. I expected him, he says, to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God. Right? I thought he would certainly come out and do such and such. Naaman has expectations for how God should work, doesn't he? Now, personalize this. What kind of expectations do you have of God? You know, do you want God to give you great health? Do you expect God to give you financial success? Family happiness? Stress-free living? Church, when God doesn't act the way that you expect him to, when God doesn't do something, maybe even in the time frame that you prefer him to, how do you respond? Do you wait patiently? Do you wait expectantly and maybe eagerly? Or do you get restless? Do you complain? Do you maybe even throw a temper tantrum like, Naaman. You know, I I think probably the favorite part of this portion of this story, which we're going to talk in greater depth next week about, is the role that Naaman's soldiers, his officers played in Naaman getting healed. You know, basically what we read here is how Naaman's officers talk him off the cliff. Do they not? I mean, Naaman's officers obviously have a love for their commander. They want him to be healed of his leprosy. You know, I think it's very likely that this is not the first time that Naaman's officers (laughs) were exposed to Naaman's anger. In fact, I propose that Naaman's officers likely had seen the drive and the passion in their commander multiple times before. But they loved him, didn't they? And so rather than be put off by his anger, rather than be put off by his energy and his passion, what we read here is how Naaman's officers, they press in and they challenge their commanding officers because that's what friends do. They challenge him to obey the prophet's instruction. And because Naaman was receptive, stage number four, not only to the Israeli slave girl's suggestion and to his wife's input and to his king's help and endorsement and to his officer's pushback, what we read is Naaman calms down, right? Has a change of heart. He goes to the Jordan River. He dips himself seven times as the prophet Elisha had instructed. And what happens? God shows up. Does he not? Amen. Hallelujah. Big legs. Woohoo. We're told how Naaman's skin is restored. We're told how Naaman's life and his faith is forever impacted. Don't miss this. All because of Naaman's attitude of receptivity. And in so doing, he also illustrates, the Bible also illustrates how miracles are often experienced. In community. Now, friends, listen to me. What are the chances that you are on the verge of experiencing a miracle in your life? You know, I wonder if, 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 if you're tuning in today, I wonder if you and I were to sit down in a one-on-one conversation, and I wonder how many of you would say, "Mike, my, my life is just not unfolding the way I'd like things to go. Things are not just happening as, as, as the way I would really love for, for them to happen. And maybe for some of you, you're tempted to give up. Maybe for some of you, you're ready to throw in the towel. And and, and I I would ask you, if we were sitting down in, in, in in my living room here, is what advice or counsel are your friends telling you? What kind of encouragement are the people closest to you? What are they saying? Anything come to mind? What pushback... Or what encouragement are your friends offering that maybe up until now, you've just kind of discarded? Miracles are often experienced in community. And friends, God is gonna often work His agenda through the life of those and the influence of those around you. God often works through people, the people closest to us, to accomplish his agenda in in, in our life. And, And I wonder how many of you tuning in today might be on the very tipping point of experiencing an incredible miracle in your life. So don't give up, rather ask yourself, analyze yourself, are you receptive? Are you open? You know, many of you have learned in your journey by now that how how God's activity on our life is often counterintuitive, right? We talk about that quite a bit around here at Palm Harvest. I mean, Naaman had expectations for how God should heal him. And when God didn't heal Naaman in the way that Naaman expected him to, he almost walked away. In fact, he did walk away angry. And he almost missed a miracle. But catch this. Because of Naaman's humility and because of his receptivity to the people around him in his life, Naaman's life was restored. Amazing. So I want you to pray another prayer with me. Hands open, heart open, mind open. It's a simple prayer. Just say, Heavenly Father, please help me to practice receptivity. Heavenly Father, please help me to practice receptivity. Good. Excellent. Let's wrap things up. Stage number five. The fifth stage of a miracle that I suggest that we can see here in Naaman's story is is what I'm calling the word with the word, uh, describing with the word gratitude. Okay? Gratitude. That's stage number five gratitude. I love how in this story how Naaman's humility is repeatedly showcased over and over and over again. You know, although Naaman is a guy who's at the top of the leadership organizational chart, I think in his story we can see a man who consistently sort of illustrates a tenderness and an appreciation for the people around him, which is likely one of the reasons why everybody around him was in his cheering section and why everybody was working so hard for him to be restored. You know, the Bible tells us in verse 15 that after experiencing complete healing from his leprosy, that Naaman returns to the home of the prophet Elisha to say thank you. Now, we'll talk about that, that encounter in, in, in the upcoming weeks about this conversation between Elisha and, and Naaman, but where I want to end on today and what I want to encourage you to think about today is you would think that saying thank you to people is an automatic thing that we do. Would you not? But I don't know what your experience in life has been, but sadly, it's not often the case. In fact, if you turn to the New Testament portion of our Bible and you look at a story told in Luke chapter 17, you can read how Jesus heals 10 lepers. And in the process of them being healed, the Bible says that only one guy comes back to say thank you. Only one guy practices gratitude. And Jesus' response to the guy, he he says, where are the other nine? Weren't all nine healed? So here's the application for you and for me. When was the last time that you told somebody thank you? When is the last time that you went out of your way to express gratitude to someone? You know, I propose that the person who who habitually expresses gratitude is the kind of person who is likely more prone to experience miracles in their life. Because in my opinion, and I think what the Bible illustrates is how gratitude is a frame of mind. In fact, gratitude is closely, recepted, uh, closely related to stage number four, receptivity. I think gratitude illustrates a capacity to be other focused, I think gratitude showcases a wiring that says I don't know everything, that I don't have all the answers, but together we can we can tackle things together. Which is why miracles are often experienced in community. So in closing, let me remind you that Palm Harvest is a family. Wherever you're tuning in from, whether it be Costa Mesa, California, Mitchell, South Dakota, Brainerd, Minnesota, Tacoma, Washington, Hope, Indiana, Bismarck, North Dakota, wherever you're tuning in from. I just am convinced that this new digital age that we are a part of allows us to be family from multiple locations. So in closing, this is how we're gonna wrap things up, okay? If you have a phone, and you're familiar with text messaging or if you're old school and you want to write somebody an email, I want you to grab it right now and I want you to text message the first person that comes to your mind right now simply to say thank you. Maybe someone's done something recently that you're grateful for. Maybe someone's been a mentor in your life who just God just brought them to your mind, even as I've said that. Right now, take 24 seconds. I'm gonna give you a 24 second shot clock. And together, let's practice gratitude. Ready? Go. 10 seconds. Good, okay? Good. Don't be worried, just say thank you. Good, okay, one more assignment. Now I want you, if you have on your mobile device, I want you to open up the Palm Harvest app. Would you do that? If you haven't downloaded it yet, then that's your assignment. But for those of you who have, I want you to open up your Palm Harvest app, and when you open it up, you'll you'll get like a, uh, it'll look something like this, where you'll see broadcast in red up here, and then there's a thing that says sermon notes. Maybe some of you are using that right now. Then it says connect and prayer and and giving. That's a good box to check on if you've not checked that out. (laughs) You should check on that. Check that out. But for today, what I want you to do is I want you to touch the fourth one, kind of the pink one that says prayer. Do you see it there? Just push the prayer app. And then if you push it again, there's this like this little arrow down here. If you push this little arrow, it'll take you to a form that um, in a moment when this broadcast is over, I would love for you to just take a moment, fill out the form, put your name, put your email address if you've not done that already. Let me know whether this is a prayer request or a, a praise report. In this case, I want it to be a prayer request. And once you click on the prayer request, it'll give you an opportunity to fill in what miracle you are looking and eager for God to do in your life? Now, once you fill that out and you click submit, that email is going to come to me, and I'm going to have an opportunity to step into your life and into your situation um, as much as you uh, allow me to through what you write. Now, if you want your prayer request to be confidential, we'll honor that. It'll come to me. Beto will see it because Beto and I are on this. You know we're the recipients of whatever comes through the digital world of, at our church. But aside from Beto and I, it, we'll keep your prayer request confidential. But if you would like our staff to maybe join you in prayer, if you'd be open to maybe our board members, a few of our board members to join you in prayer, and I'll be very specific as to who I share things with. I would love to share your prayer request, and together we can pray with each other to God to do a miracle in your life or in the miracle in in someone's life. Why? Because miracles are often experienced in community. So what miracle are you hoping God will do either in your life or the life of someone else? I hope you take a moment before you get up from your couch or wherever it is that you're sitting and fill out that prayer request. Will you do that? Good. All right, let's close in prayer. I'm done talking, enough talking. Let's talk to the Lord. Let's lift up our hearts to him one last time, all right? Palms open, heart open, mind open, just in your heart or out loud if you're by yourself, pray this. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you, gratitude. Heavenly Father, thank you for your activity in my life. God, thank you for the friends that you have put around me. God, thank you for those people that you have placed in my life who are helping me pursue you. God, I am grateful. Thank you. Now let me pray for you. Jesus, I pray today as we wrap up this conversation that you would be active in the life of those who are tuning in today. And Jesus, I pray that for those who really need a miracle in their life, those who are pursuing a miracle, either for themselves or for someone who they know, I pray, Jesus, that you would respond just as generously with them as you did with Naaman. Jesus, as we seek to put into practice this week these five stages of a miracle, that we looked at and discussed today. Jesus, we thank you in advance, in faith, that you are gonna respond accordingly. So Jesus, lastly, we just close this prayer together. As a family across multiple arenas, we invite you to be active in our life. And Jesus, we ask that you would continue to shape us and mold us Inform us into the people that you want us to be. Jesus, it's in your name we pray these things with an attitude and an expectation of thanksgiving. And everybody said amen and amen. Hey friends, thanks again for tuning in today. I can't wait. I'm really eager to, to get your... Uh, your prayer request. As soon as you hit send, my phone's going to start blowing up. And so I'm going to join you and hopefully others will join you uh, together on your miracle-seeking journey. Why? Because miracles are often experienced in what? In community. In community. We're family. Thank you for being a part of my family. Thank you for tuning in this week. And I'll see you all next week. God bless Thank you for listening to the Palm Harvest podcast. We would love to get to know you. So download the Palm Harvest app for free and fill out our connection card. Your continued support helps us spread hope around the world. You can also give in our app and find out more about our community.